Welcome to the Holistic Career Change Podcast, one-stop shop for everyone feeling stuck in their career and who are looking to identify, change, and succeed at their new fulfilling work. I'm your host, Vilma Seita. Let's go. Hi, lovely people. How have you been? Tell me everything. (laughs) I sincerely, sincerely do love connecting with all of you and I've been receiving such beautiful messages and people sharing the stories. So if you feel like saying hi to me and telling me how you've been, please do. Please find me on Instagram and say hi. It, It really is my favorite thing to receive those messages from you. Now, today is a big day. I have another inspiring career changer series interview for you. Now, I may be totally biased because today (laughs) I'm interviewing my beautiful friend of 16 years. And as I say 16 years, I want to scream in my head because that makes me feel very old. (laughs) Hilde Bartel Solom, and I totally just butchered it, is my amazing Norwegian friend that I met back in London at university in 2005, and we instantly became best university mates. She was the yin to my yang, and we pretty much were inseparable, to be honest, so much so that our fellow students gave us a nickname, Hilma. So Hilda and Vilma, get it, Hilma? (laughs) Uh, Because we were just together all the time. So instead of saying, hi, Hilda, hi, Vilma, they would say, hi, Hilma. And, um, you know, Hilda and I, we shared so many values, (laughs) which is we really took our studies very seriously. We were working extra hard and we ended up getting our first class degrees. And the only thing that we were doing harder than studying was partying. (laughs) Hilda and I took our going out game very seriously very seriously and you'd find us out three to four times a week somewhere in central London you know dancing the night away. So even though we do have similar educational background both of us studied international business and then I went for um, finance masters and Hilda went for international relations Interestingly enough, both of us ended up changing careers. So I brought Hilda in today to share her story of her switching from a very comfortable job in banking in Oslo, Norway, to transitioning into teaching. And I really don't think this is a very popular decision or a very common switch, And I bet it raised a few eyebrows when Hilda ended up doing it. And that's the reason why I just had to have her on to hopefully inspire all of you to follow your personal mission and your calling. So here's the interview. Enjoy. So hi, Hilda. Welcome to the Holistic Career Change Podcast. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Yay, so good to have you here. The reason why I recorded the intro is because I know what happens when we get together. We just start reminiscing and laughing about uh, all the stories and Hilma and Hilmania. Actually, we guys had a country called Hilmania. 
And what happens is usually it's only funny for us and other people are just rolling their eyes, really not, you know, you know how you have those stories to share and other people don't always get. So that's kind of what happens with me, Hilda, and another friend of ours, Louis. So that's why I recorded that to get that out of the way and we can move into and talk about the career change. So maybe we'll start with just you introducing briefly and telling uh, the listeners a little more about yourself, current life. So I think I'm 35. Can't really <laughs> keep up with my age. <laughs> uh, I have three kids and a husband. Um, I live just outside of Oslo. I teach um, eighth through tenth grade in a local middle school. So in Norway, that's like uh, well, 12 to 16 year olds. Um, yeah, that's the short version, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That is crazy. Hilda has three kids, you guys. I re- I mean, I cannot even imagine my own life. I don't know how she manages her life and the kids and going to work and having a husband. Maybe that's another podcast, but I don't know how you do it. How do you do it? <laughs> I think it's a matter of, well, first of all, grandparents helping out. That's one thing. Right. We have four of them close. And right. then I think it's just something when you, when you reach that situation, you just have to get by. <laughs> But I like being busy. I mean, yeah, you know, I like being busy, but still, sometimes I wish I'd just have a bit more time to myself. Yeah. But I will get there. They're getting older. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a common threat that you hear from mothers, right? Like the one thing that they miss the most is just an uninterrupted time for yourself. Yeah. Uh, So do you ever like check into a hotel or something? Well, I guess you can't do that in COVID, but I know a lot of my friends, they just do that. (laughs) They just leave the house and, you know, get a room for a night. Before the pandemic, yeah, we used to have a lot of, not a lot, but a few weekends to ourselves, but right there too. maybe next year. <laughs> yes, fingers crossed. Anyway, yeah. so, okay, so I thought I love linear stories because I feel like that helps to really, you know, understand people where you're coming from. And what I thought we could start with is just you sharing a little bit more about your background, because uh, I know that growing up, you lived in different countries, you were exposed to different cultures and Maybe that in a way shaped, you know, who you are today. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about that to start with. Um, Yeah. So my dad was in shipping and um, so we moved around a bit and my mom was a teacher. Um, So I lived in Japan when I was, I think I was, yeah, four till seven. So three years. I don't remember much, but to this day, like Japanese food is my absolute favorite because of that I guess this is <laughs> just then, the wildest thing and weren't you like speaking Japanese as well I think your brother yeah. mentioned right yeah, like you was fluent even but when we got back to Norway my brother and I we just refused because we didn't want to be different so right. we didn't want to yeah stand out from the rest of the kids so we just stopped speaking Japanese and our parents tried everything but they mm. couldn't make us speak more Japanese so it's all gone well I remember like how to write my name and that's it I think that's <laughs> still, that's a, a cool that's a cool story, though. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. It is a shame, but yeah. And then um, we came back to Norway, and at 16, I moved to Singapore again because of my, my dad's job. Stayed there for a year, went to an international school. Um, and after high school in Norway, I moved to Spain to learn Spanish, worked as an au pair, which was interesting as well. And then, then we met in England, 2005, and I studied there for four years. Mm-hmm. And I've been in Norway ever since. Well, mm-hmm. I had five months traveling, and then I stayed yeah. in Norway for the past ten years. 
That's yeah. A, yeah, that's a lot of cultures. And you, you, Hilda also speaks fluent Spanish, which is just fascinating. So that is really, I don't know, I'm in awe of that. So um, sort of what, when you were nearing your time where you already had to choose what to study, where to go to university, uh, what was that decision process for you like? Did you always know what it is you wanted to do or... Yeah, I guess I'm one of those people who, who were always jealous of those, ki- those kids who said, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a farmer mm-hmm. or whatever. So oh, I yeah. wish I knew what I'm going to be. That would be so nice. But I never knew. And then I just felt the world was open. I just wanted to get out of Norway. That's what I knew. And then my grades were quite good. So I thought, well, I could study most things, I guess. And then I just love the international environment. And I thought business would be like, it just felt safe. Because I assumed it would be, it wouldn't close any doors. So I thought that would be a good choice. And I wasn't, I wasn't really passionate about it. I just thought that'd be, that'd be fine. And and it wasn't any pressure either from my parents. They just said, well, do whatever you want. We don't mind. We'll support you, which was nice. But it also kind of made it harder. So okay, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's how the international business degree, which was a quite a nice degree. I don't know how you felt about it. Well, not, well, we did talk about it at that time. But how you feel now? But I just feel like. There were so many options when it came to the subjects. So you could study anything from, you know, the hardcore economics to HR to languages, which was really nice about those studies in Kingston. Kingston. And then, uh, yeah. And I think I was a bit inspired by my dad. He was like in the business, well, shipping world business. And I just sort of looked up to the way he managed his working life, I guess. He accomplished quite a lot. And I thought maybe that could be something for me as well. So I think maybe that was part of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, we're definitely affected. And you know what you said? I totally resonate with what you said about wanting to know, because I also had classmates who were really good at maths or something super specific where I was always so jealous. I'm like, I wish I had that clear direction, but I really think it's just minority. Like I read different reports, but they say it's only around 5% of people who are actually no, they're like, they're almost like they're born and they already have a very clear direction and it's very hard to steer them away. And the rest of us are kind of just, you know, walk around car blind, uh, stabbing at things, try- trying things, right. And seeing what fits. But I do agree with you, I guess uh, for me was, I felt like I, just as you, I was interested in so many things and kind of good at everything, but not excelling at one particular thing. And I thought, business studies would give a nice foundation, which would allow me then to kind of taste all these different things and then make a decision from there. So I ended up going towards finance and you did international relations. So can you talk to me about that? What was it that drew you in to study international relations? Yeah, I I sort of knew I still want to stay in this international environment, but I found business a bit too... I don't know. I started finding politics more interesting at that time mm. when I when I sort of um, go close to the mid twenties. Um, well, how old were we? Twenty three, twenty four at that point. Yeah. So I thought maybe international relations, where I got to focus on the international politics, would be more interesting, and maybe it will feel feel more like purposeful in some way. I, to me, the business world seemed a bit too harsh, or I don't know. I didn't feel like oh, I didn't have any passion like, for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that area. I think that's what drove me to the international relations degree, which was a very good. I really enjoyed that master's, by the way. But it was really hard. I graduated in 2009 from my master's. And this was after the, the, the crisis. crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Before getting a job in anything. 
So mm. I think if I would, maybe I would have stayed in that sort of international relations politics area. If I got a job, I don't know. No mm. one knows. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. maybe in a parallel universe, you are traveling yeah. around. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, so, because you keep on mentioning the international aspect and obviously you were exposed to that, to that growing up in, in your early adult life, do you still miss that? Cause you ended up kind of, you, you, you knew you were going back to sort of Norway and then I feel like you were very steady in there and you now have a family. Do you ever miss that international aspect or do you feel like your current job kind of gives you, you know, fulfillment and you're okay? Um, I, in some ways, in some ways I do miss it. I, I'm still looking for like jobs in, we have a few international schools around Oslo. Mm. And I do, I am looking for jobs and I, I'm also thinking about taking the family for like a, some sort of gap year, maybe teaching in Spain or whatever. So we could just move around. I want the kids to have like a steady base, like a place where they belong, which I also did, did even though we moved around a lot, but I still, I'm not done traveling and I'm not done like living in different countries. Mm. So I want to find a way to like <laughs> mix those two in a good way for yeah. all of us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it would be great for kids as well as as they're older, right? Like all these memories and also just them being more culturally aware. You're probably going to be one of those like old retired ladies who just travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can't walk, but you're still, <laughs> but you're still traveling. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we ever can with the corona and stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So that actually brings me to my next question. So I know that exactly like when you graduated, like it was the 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 famous financial crash. So what did you do when you finished? Um, and how did you go about finding your first sort of serious adult graduate job? Yeah, so I applied, I sort of knew or, or I thought I wanted to have a trainee position as I didn't know, I still didn't know what I wanted to become. So <laughs> um, I applied for the, for a few trainee positions. And in the beginning, I didn't get any. So I talked to my friend, Jeanette, as you know, her, <laughs> probably remember her. And I said, if I don't get this job now, I had this uh, interview in this big Norwegian company as a trainee. And I talked to her and I said, if I don't get this job now, we can travel because she was waiting for me to go traveling and I didn't get it. And then we said, okay, we'll go, we'll travel around the world for like six months and then we'll see what happens. Um, and that's what we did, which was one of the best years ever, mm. in addition to uni life, which I really enjoyed as well. And after that, I still, I just came back and I applied and I got this job as a substitute teacher, just as, um, just for like, I think it was like six months originally. Uh, and I just had that job while I, while I kept applying for those trainee jobs in the corporate world. Uh, and then I got a job after like nine or 10 months. Um, so I was sort of trying teaching before I got into this corporate world, which was, mm. which I really liked, but I could, I didn't feel like I could like sort of waste my education in all those years spent right. in yeah. <laughs> the business world or yeah. in the bus- yeah, studying business. Um, yeah. So I landed a trainee job and then. I felt, okay, this will be interesting, which it was, definitely. Um, I kept thinking about this teaching job all the time. <laughs> right. So that yeah. the trainee job, what was it? What industry was it in? Like, what was it the yeah, banking? It was, uh, yeah, it was in ba- banking and insurance. It was one of the, um, I, think, I think it's like top three in Norway. It, it's not big internationally, but it's like top three in Norway banking, banking and insurance company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a two-year program we had six months months in each um, position and then we moved around four times uh, it was my first like 
proper meeting with the corporate world. I really liked the way you felt appreciated, you know, how you got the pay was all right, um, free food, free travels, all this kind of stuff was, you just felt like they really want to invest in you. But mm. then I couldn't really find any, any of the tasks that I did, which was a lot of tasks in two years, four different positions in two years. I couldn't really find any of them fulfilling, which I was hoping for the whole time. I was like, okay, the next one will be good. The next one will be good. But I couldn't find it. And it was it was just such a shame. Mm. And then it just, this thought grew up. I was like, okay, I have to do something else. Maybe teaching is my thing after all. Mm. <laughs> after trying to get away from this, I didn't mention, well, maybe I mentioned my mom was a teacher. And I thought, mm. well, I'm not going to, that's the one thing I'm not going to do in my life. I'm not going to be a teacher. <laughs> so when was it that decision that you made? Like growing up, you, you were saying that you didn't want to be a teacher or like, how was it? I don't know if I, I, I said, but I always like, it was in my mind. I was like, well, that doesn't seem fun or interesting. And it's not appreciated in Norwegian society. I guess in most countries. Any really society, to be honest, yeah. is everywhere is underappreciated. So like, but I wonder why, I wonder now I'm got curious. I wonder why you had that idea that you would not want to be, it was, whether it was appreciation factor or was it that you didn't see your mom enjoying it? Like maybe it was something to do with her or like, what was it? she really seemed to enjoy her job as well so I really don't know what it is I think it's like something with I'm not going to be like mom that kind of feeling yeah rebelling <laughs> the, the rebel yeah, streak. some sort of rebellion and mm. we're quite similar so it's not a surprise that I ended up doing the same thing I think for most people but to me it's like no I'm not going to do that <laughs> and also I was always maybe a bit closer to my dad or not closer but I sort of maybe admired him more so I wanted to go more like in his direction mm. or mom's direction yeah and now yeah. I totally appreciate what she has done she's done a lot of good things growing up right. I don't think I, I really <laughs> realized would you would you be happy if one of your sons told you that they want to go into teaching oh, like yeah, would you... definitely yeah I would hope I would be really happy because I thought if they would find this kind of fulfillment that I feel in this job I'll be mm. really really glad but yeah, yeah. You know, what's really interesting, the bit that I want to ask you about, because as you know, like I did all kinds of gigs after university, I did corporate, I did public, I did a lot of things. And it really took me a while to come around to my career change, right? For me, it was a very long process and like really losing that identity was something that I feared because just like you said, it was that sort of um, status and prestige that came with holding certain positions that my ego really did not want to let go. And I thought that I was going to be disappointing people, but it seems like you fairly on in your job kind of realized that, listen, I kind of need to make a change. Like, didn't you, was there a part of you that kind of was talking you into staying for longer or hoping that we would get better? Cause that's where a lot of people get stuck. So that's why I'm curious what went different for you. Yeah, definitely. After those two years, I applied, well, we could apply anywhere within the company. And I applied for like, um, it was a divided position. It was like project manager and key account manager position, which I got. And I stayed there for a year. And during that, that was my final. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. This is the position that could be right for me in this in this uh, corporation or in this world. And if this doesn't work, I'm going to do something else. And then I think after a few months, I was like, okay, that's it. It doesn't work. I have to do something. So I did my teaching education uh, at the same time as I finished, or as I had that job. And then oh, so you already started the teaching education while yeah. you're still at the job. Yeah. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to finish or at least get ahead in this education and then I'll quit. 
And then I applied and I got a job straight away. It's not hard to get a job in teaching, unfortunately, because we don't have enough teachers, which is a shame. Mm. But yeah. yeah. And then I just thought, okay, this is it. I'll just do it. And then <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah. So didn't you, did you have to go to like a university, like to get an uh, education to teach? Or is there like a system is different? Yeah, it is university, but for people with another education, uh, education is shorter for teachers. So right, right, right. you have to do like a year and a half with um, yeah, different sort of subjects just to make sure you're fit to teach, even though you know your subjects well. So I did that. Start uh, teaching education in Norway. It's like five years. It's a master's program. So we're trying to do something about um, the teacher status and yeah, trying to sort mm-hmm. of yeah um, do something about the attitudes in the society towards teachers but that was a short education which which was a perfect fit I could never I don't know well I could probably start another five-year education but I really don't see that happening after going through all of them yeah exactly um, <laughs> yeah everything so, yeah so was there ever a time like at least once where you kind of doubted your decision now looking back do you feel like it was the right decision or do you ever catch yourself thinking mm, I wonder no I, I've never no I don't think I've ever looked back it, it, it felt right the whole time and when I walked through those doors in mean, the school it sounds really cheesy but it was like okay this is this is my world now and it's so really? right it just felt so right and I've had that feeling ever since which mm. is really weird but it's no, but I'm getting really excited because I really, I am a believer in that. I really feel like our body is usually sending a signal so that when you have those moments, it really means something. And it is really that sign that you are at the right place. And we really should be looking for more of those signs to know whether we're on the right track. So the fact that you felt that, I, I love that you are sharing that. And I think like that's a great takeaway for those who are still in the search and they yeah. don't know what it would feel like. It may feel for you differently, but you'll definitely know when you experience that um yeah yeah. I think so yeah I think it's the gut feeling that tells us what to do Mm -hmm. totally yeah um so how were like that's the question that I always ask what was it like when it comes to your immediate environment uh and your support were they supportive were they questioning you what was that like yeah I didn't I didn't talk that much about it when well I had everything thought I guess when I started telling people about this um, and uh, I, most almost all all of my friends and family were very supportive they were like yeah this sounds this sounds right I think you should do that some people just ask questions like well are you not managing the job properly is it is it something no I'm saying no everything's going really good like my boss is really happy with me and everything is fine it just doesn't feel right and I'm like oh, okay yeah that's really and it even came up like so many times during because <laughs> I got married just the year after this career change and it came up so many times in the wedding speech <laughs> about how brave this was and how, how such a, how big a thing this was to change a career and they all called call me like oh you're such a tough like person <laughs> I was like oh okay is it that big apparently it is <laughs> to change the career I mean I thought it happened all the time, but it doesn't seem to happen a lot. No, it's not. Said, no, it's... Yeah, it, it is interesting, but they were really supportive. And they said, well, that sounds that sounds right for you. I think it's a good fit for you. And yeah, which I thought was really nice to hear. Mm, like kind of that reassurance for yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is a big thing. It's so funny how like 
I love how you were going through all of this process, like not really thinking much of it. Cause I, you know, as you know, cause I work with career changers. I also meet a lot of people who, for whom is such a traumatic experience. Cause also, and I guess it really depends on our mindset and our beliefs and, you know, the internal dialogue we use, but a lot of them attach a meaning to it that they failed or like that they made a huge mistake in choosing a different, you know, course of actions and choosing different studies and so that is what is holding them back it's almost like they don't want to admit to themselves that they failed but really I think for you it feels like it was more like you looking at this as a redirection versus you failing at something yeah exactly and I think it's such a shame to look at it as a failure because I mean I use so many of the like skills and the subjects and everything from my previous studies and my previous job I use so much of that in my current job even though it's totally different so I think nothing is wasted okay so maybe I had to go through that whole process just to find a job that's fulfilling but that was totally worth it and so many experiences and I mean even just studying abroad even though the um, the subjects were right maybe the total experience was completely amazing I would never have been without it so I think it's just important to remember that nothing is a waste really mm-hmm. You just learn as you go the whole time. Exactly, right? It all kind of is cum- cumulative experience that yeah. adds up, right? And yeah. we, you know, with my clients, I do a lot of exercises when it comes to them identifying transferable skills. And they're always amazed just ca- how many skills they learned in different yeah. industries are completely transferable and can be applicable to any area that they're moving into, right? So just to add to the point, nothing is a waste, really. Everything that you experience was leading you up to this point. Um, so that's beautiful. Another question that I have for you, uh, and maybe it's also a little bit of a cultural difference, but I know a lot of the changers are being held back because they think about finances and say, if they want to choose from corporate to anything else, really, there is a chance that they'll probably be, um, you know, getting a smaller paycheck or maybe income is not going to be stable if they become self-employed. How did you deal with that factor without obviously revealing too much details? I'm not asking you for numbers, but like, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was a thing. But although the Norwegian society is quite like egalitarian, so the pay it's not that different it's not like my paycheck was suddenly half the number of my pay in the bank so I guess that was part of part of the issue that made it a lot easier to change because if I knew I put the family in a difficult economic position I probably maybe I wouldn't have done it or maybe I would have at least thought about it a few more times and then also yeah my husband's job was steady he didn't earn that much either but it was okay so so I guess that's yeah that's part of the issue it would be completely different if I earned a lot less although I would have to say if I talk to those people who were trainees with me at the time I guess they earn (laughs) a lot more than I do now but it's not it's really not about the money for me and I think that's so important to say if you're unhappy five days a week it doesn't doesn't make any sense just to just because of the just to stay in the job because of the money it really doesn't make any sense. Then you can manage with buying less things or going to less fancy restaurants, I think. Yeah. It's so important. Mm-hmm. You have to get up Monday morning and be happy to go to work most yeah. of the time. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, it's not like every day is going to be ideal, but there's such a different energy that when you're doing something that you love and believe in, right? So like believing, having, finding the meaning and the purpose in what you do, I think that's very important to a lot of people. 
So let's talk about that. So, um, so you mentioned the, you know, the age group that you're teaching, what subjects are you teaching again? Yeah, so I'm teaching um, social science, history, um, Spanish, English. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. And so, so think, yeah. can you just give us a little more like details of what it's like and, you know, the, the aspects that you enjoy and what is the aspects maybe you don't enjoy as much so that we would get a taste of what it's like being you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So about the teaching job, is it's about trying... I always feel like it's about making a difference. So I can go home and feel like, okay, I think I made someone learn something new today, which they really needed or that they have to learn. Or I think I made a difference by, by you know, noticing them, trying to be the person that they feel have, that they really need some grownups to see them during the day. They're teens and they're very insecure. Uh, and I love the busy environment. It was busy in corporate as well, but in a completely different way. You could sit down with your coffee and you can have a lot of meetings, but when you walk into the school, it's like 10 students wanting to talk to you or uh, the boss wanting to ask you something or whatever. It's it's busy all the time, but I really, really love it. It's like something's happening the whole time. I never have time to sit down and be bored. Never. I don't think I can remember one day when I actually sat down and I was like, oh, this was a boring day. It hasn't happened for seven years. I don't think it's going to happen for the next 20 years. And you enjoy that? And you enjoy that part? Because, you know, all the introverted empath empath people are now (laughs) listening to you thinking like, that's like the definition of hell for me. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's what I love. Like, we're so different and we have to find what works for us. And that like is energizing for you. Yeah, very. Yeah, I love it. It will be a nightmare for me, like to stay at home with my computer for a year, (laughs) like most of you have had to do. Oh, it'd be so horrible. So I've been happy the schools have been open, even though. There's been a lot of COVID and everything. Yeah, so the busy environment and just like the, the feeling of sometimes, I know you can't make a difference the whole time, but sometimes you actually feel like you made a difference, which is really, really nice. And then um, yeah, for the challenging parts, I guess like when working working in banking, I would go home and I'm like, well, I did a good job today. It was enough. It was fine. And if you wake up the next day and do the same thing, you feel it was enough. But with teaching, it's like, I never feel that I've done enough. It's like, I could have prepared this lesson better. I could have talked more to the students. I could have helped them them more. You just never feel like you have enough time (laughs) to do it properly. And especially after having kids. I mean, when I go home, I don't have time to work all night. Mm. So, yeah. No, I just really, sometimes I just say, I could have done this. I could have done this job for free because I love it so much. Not every day, but some days I have that feeling which I mm. think is really valuable, very, very valuable. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is something that you need to look for, right? Like one of the best questions to ask yourself when you want to switch is what is it that I would do for free, mm-hmm. right? What is it that I believe in so much that I would do it even if I had another job? So maybe if you stayed in corporate, you still would have found activities that would help you kind of support people in one way or another, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that then that would be my hobby. That's what I did, actually, when I was in corporate. I worked in um, Red Cross with kids, which was really fulfilling. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do something more like this every day, not like once a week. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Like, yeah. I think like, I think you're selling teaching well. <laughs> okay, that's good. Ooh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's important. We need more teachers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Maybe you can be like so. So are they are they sort of preparing some sort of campaigns in Norway now to promote teaching? Like maybe you can be a poster poster teacher. 
<laughs> well, they're doing a few things. Like I said, they want to do, they want to have the master's education and they also, now they pay teachers to uh, add more subjects. So like next year, I'm going to get paid to study more English. Um, and and you can apply for that and you, you can like work 60% and study 40% and you get a full pay. So they do a lot of things to like help teachers uh, get better, I guess, which is nice. But I think it's all about, it's, it's so deep in the core, like thinking about teachers as, I don't know, as less, less worth or even, yeah. Just Why do you think you that do is? Do you ever feel like, do you ever feel comments like that directed at you or anyone like making remarks kind of in no, that direction? No, not personally at all. It's more like just the general attitudes. I think like when I talk to my teens at work, they want to be like, they want to be lawyers or they want to be real estate agents. or they Influencers. Wanna... Yeah, yeah, influencers. <laughs> Last but not least. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a profession that people... Feel that they want to be or do which is a shame i think yeah mm -hmm. yeah but i don't know what it is it's really it's it's hard i think there's a few countries which actually like finland i think they have very educated teachers and they have quite a good pay and everything it's but i don't know in most countries it's not like that mm. it's a shame yeah yeah it's it's interesting like the teachers and the doctors they think like well now with covid i think like the doctors and the you know medical care and all of that system, they did get more appreciation. But really, did we really have to have a global pandemic to yeah. recognize the people who are serving us like that? Yeah. Um, all of, yeah, throughout the years. And another thing that you said that I want to kind of go back, because I noted down when you said that during the day, you get to you get to give them a gift to the children of being seen. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think you're working with that age group where really they're like trying to get into terms with them becoming adults right and it probably is a challenging time so can you talk what what did you mean you know making them feel seen i think it can be because they're in the age where they're sort of you know trying to be or opposing their parents a little bit and mm -hmm. i think the teachers can have a bit of um they can still joke around a bit and still be a you know an adult that they can rely on so mm. it's just about like and and you never know who struggles at home that's so hard. So I just try to like make sure that at least I say hi to everyone, make a joke, or it's just so important to have grown-ups that you respect and that you that you know will be there for you if you need to talk. And I've had a few cases where they actually come and say something and they'll be like, Oh, thank you. And you know mm -hmm. them for two years and you say, Yeah, please share because you need to share this with someone. And when they finally do, you just feel so rewarded. Because it can be students you haven't probably they don't even reply for a few years, you know, and then they come to you and you just know that the hard work is appreciated. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just about, they need to have those like secure adults around them that actually they feel that they can confine them if something happens or, or at least just, I know they're not looking forward to go to school, but at least they say, they would say something like, oh, Hilda's lessons are all right. I actually learned something or it was fun or whatever. Yeah. Then I feel that it's fulfilling if they say that. Mm. which I do once in a while <laughs> I mean they're teens so they don't share too much but yeah yeah no forget it so did yeah. you already did you already have are you like do you get like love letters from your students <laughs> no <laughs> not love letters but one thing that was really I had an amazing class when um I became pregnant with the twins mm. and when I told them I was going to quit they they made this like beautiful letter with, like saying all this nice things about me Aww. Me and Christopher on this front cover, 
and they had they, they baked the cake and they had a poem and I was like, oh, I'm so oh my god so you must have cried so much they're so, yeah. <laughs> so sweet oh and, and I mean it doesn't happen with all all the classes but once in a while yeah. you, you get those rewards which is really nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally so no, is it letters, no. <laughs> no, yeah, it's your young yeah. teacher, you know. Um, yeah. Now I feel like now that I have you in a hot seat, I feel like I want to ask all the questions I wish I could have asked my teachers when I was growing up. I'm like, is it true that you have favorite students? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, not. I I have to say we like all our students, but some students are so much easier to get to know. Like so, mm. from some students you don't get any response back, and you really have to work hard. So it, it might seem like we have favorites, but we don't. But some students are just easier to communicate with, which is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you see sort of moving forward? Do you want to continue like teaching? Because I know you mentioned to me privately you were thinking of maybe a different age group. Can you share share your future plans? Yeah. I still want to teach for a while and then I feel like I'm in the right world so I want to stay like working in schools but I think I want to eventually work with like administration or management so maybe um, just to have a small department or have yeah the responsibility of a small group of teachers maybe would be nice because I just feel like in the classroom it's all about sort of trying to lead or manage the teenagers to go in the right direction. It's the same working with adults. I think I'll find a lot of the same traits trying mm-hmm. to lead or manage grown-ups. So I think that would be an interesting way to go. But but this is like when my kids are older and they're still too young. Mm-hmm. Teaching is a nice job when you have small kids actually because it's quite flexible. Like we work a lot. I work a lot of like late nights, but sometimes you can leave the office at one or two. And you can take mm-hmm. a break and then you can grade your papers at nine in the evening. So it's a good job when you have kids and also you have longer holidays, right? So you can stay with the kids during the holidays. Yeah. So I think as long as my kids are quite young, it's it's a really good job to have. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So if any of you out there are thinking of, you know, getting into teaching, the time is now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of perks to being a teacher. I'm, yeah, but I, I totally resonate. I'm just, you know, thinking of what you said. I am curious as well as to why teachers seem to have such a bad rep in general. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that like, you know, your generation is going to be that generation, which is going to start changing, um, you know, the, the outlook on teaching. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what has to happen. I'm just, I, I really, I, I have no clue, but I hope that there is some movement in this area as well of how teachers are perceived. Yeah, me too. And I think, as you said, maybe COVID will actually help. I will appreciate the kindergarten teachers and the teachers because we see how important they are to actually our, mm-hmm. make our days go by properly, like being able to work. And I see even with my kids how important the kindergarten teachers are to them. Like, oh, I hope he's there today. I'm so excited. I'm going to make this drawing for him or her. And I just really? Think this is like one of the most important jobs that you can have to take care of kids. Yeah. To, yeah, actually make sure they turn into proper adults <laughs> down the line. So true. So true. Yeah. So um, what is the career advice or what is the advice in general that you could give to those people who kind of already have an inkling, you know, which direction they want to go, but they still have reservations or they're fearful. What is it that you would like to sort of share with them and advise? 
Yeah, first of all, I think it's like listen to the inner voice or the gut feeling, gut feeling or whatever you want to call it, because it I don't think it's never wrong. It can't, it's never wrong. But it will tell you what to do. And then if you're that kind of person, then I would say just talk to close family and close friends. For me, I, I needed to work through that on my own, but I think a lot of people would need to talk to family and friends. Uh, or even like like talk to a coach like you, Wilma. I think that's really important. And maybe even a coach is better because you're a bit like more subjective, I guess. No, objective, I mean. <laughs> so you can, you can actually... <laughs> totally the most subjective person. Subjective. I love you so much. <laughs> uh. <laughs> help you sort out your thoughts. And then also I listened to one of your first episodes where you talked about values. And I think that's so important. What do you need to get out of your life? You spend mm. so much time at work, you should actually love it. So what are your actual values? Yeah, and then finally, when you work through all of that, as I would say, just do. It. I I don't think a lot of I don't know about your clients or whoever you talk to because I didn't listen to all of your podcasts. But I don't think people regret this. Oh, you didn't thing, listen right? to all of my episodes. Oh, we have to do that now. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, yes, no, you please. won't regret the career change. I think that's that's really that would be really weird if you have this strong gut feeling and you would regret doing that. I, hmm. I don't know if you heard about people who actually regret regret it. But I don't think it would happen. No, never, never, no. never no. heard anyone regret it. To be honest, that's a good question. No one has ever asked me that. I haven't, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I and I agree with you. I think like, and I talk about this quite a bit. Is that there's just so much information and understanding you will get from thinking about a subject, but really the true meat. And the true, like, you know, gold comes from actually experiencing it. So at some point you just have to jump, you just have to jump and, you know, try it out. And if you fail, at least, you know, you've tried and you can move on without regrets. Because I feel like for me personally, I think about this a lot, which is like regrets lately. Like what life do I want to live that I would not come to this age and think like, oh man, I wish I would have done that. Because even in my life, I already see there are certain experiences that, I kind of was talked out of and I still feel a little that like, you know, nudge or like, oh, I wish I went on Erasmus. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like little silly things like that where like I allowed other people opinions to sway my decisions. And I'm like, never again. Like, even if it doesn't make sense to others, what's the most important thing is that it would make sense to you. And that is what matters, right? And others, the ones who love you will always adjust, like even if they don't get it at first. And those who don't, these are not your people and it's okay to let them go. I really think it's like really simple as that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, what you're saying about not looking back and thinking, oh, I should have done that. I actually, when I was working in the bank, I looked at, <laughs> I looked at um, there was a department working with like um, customer complaints and well, all oh. customer support in general, I think. Yeah. And they were all like 50 plus or even 60. And, and I knew they'd worked there for like 40 years. And I looked at them and I was like, oh, they look so miserable. And they were only looking forward to lunch. And I would look at them. They were just looking at the watch like, okay, one hour left, lunchtime. And I just thought, okay, that cannot be my life. This is not happening. And that was part of my decision because I just thought, okay, I can't do that. Yeah. It's so important to just do it when you're young. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or even if you are not like quote unquote young, I didn't even know what's young. I mean, you know, I'm 34. I, I feel like I'm I'm 24, you know, like 30 yeah. is the new 20 anyway. <laughs> right? They just 
just do whenever it feels it feels right for you but i totally agree i think like another good like lackmus test is like if you look at your boss or supervisor and if you don't do not want to become them and be in their position then you are definitely in the wrong place right yes, if you that's a good advice yeah definitely yeah yeah cool okay so it was so good to catch up with you. I feel like I like I'd love to talk to you forever about this. And I feel like we have so many topics we want to cover. Um, but yeah, I think that was a very, very nice example of what it's like to follow your gut, to follow your heart. And really, like Hilda said, like once you're on the right track, you will just feel it and you know, and like you will be supported in ways that you cannot even imagine. And yeah, you just gotta trust it because it really is worth like Hilda says, you spend so much time at work. And if it's something where you have to, like, I've been in that position where I was counting down the hours, counting down the time first to lunchtime. And then from lunchtime, I would counting down, you know, for when the 5 p.m. is on so that I could like grab my things and leave. And I just felt like it was such a sad existence. And this is not what we were, we came here for. Right. So, so thank you so much, Hilda, for coming on and sharing your story. I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful. And I know that the listeners will enjoy it. And yeah. If people have questions about teaching, can they message you? Yeah, sure. Oh, that would be okay. really, yeah, please do. It was really yeah. good talking to you. It's good mm-hmm. to reflect on career change, I think. Yeah. Because when you're done, you're sort of done and you don't really have time to reflect, reflect that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your life could have been completely different. And I'm, I love it how you're like, you were surprised that people were telling you that you were brave and you were not really realizing it in a moment. <laughs> what a big deal it was. <laughs> yeah yeah because to me it felt so right so it didn't feel brave it just felt like the right thing which is completely different in my mind right but I feel like that yeah I feel like that just shows that you're like really in touch with yourself and like when you have that like link and connection to your heart I think like it's much easier but it's when we get clouded and our brain gets bombarded with all the shoulds and musts that's when we can we're you know it's much easier for us to lose track so yeah so you're a beautiful example thank you so much thank you um all the best to the boys and christopher and hope to see you in person we may must make it happen soon yes definitely (laughs) okay we'll take care and speak to you soon bye bye thank you for spending time with me today if you enjoy this content i would really appreciate it if you would rate and subscribe to my podcast And don't forget to pass this along to anyone you know who might be considering a career change. Every little counts. 